Hey there, friends. I have something really exciting to share, and of course, I'm going to come to you with it first. As faithful listeners here to the Inventory Genius Podcast, I am thrilled to let you know that I am releasing my first full-length book, The Inventory Genius, How to Use Your Inventory to Create More Profit and Keep More Cash. Yes, my book, The Inventory Genius. It is ready to release, and I want to invite you to get your own copy. Now, this book is, of course, going to be practical as it shows us and walks us through how to use our inventory to create more profit and keep more cash in our business, but it's also a little entertaining. So in this book, I weave together my journey, my story, and the story of many of my clients as we discovered through the Inventory Genius Method how to create more profit and keep more cash in our businesses, whether it is paying down debt or taking a paycheck for the first time, there is so much to be learned in the Inventory Genius. So I want you to head on over to my website, sierrastockland.com, and grab your copy of the Inventory Genius. You don't wanna miss this book. See you soon. Hey friend, welcome to the Inventory Genius Podcast, where we work together here to make you an inventory genius. We talk about profit, we talk about cash flow, and we definitely talk about your paycheck. Because at the end of the day, it's all related to your inventory. Let's go. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Inventory Genius Podcast. I am your host, Sierra, and it is my goal to help you become an inventory genius. I want you to take your inventory and turn it into more profit and keep more cash with that inventory. Because at the end of the day, why be in business if we don't pay ourselves? Um, There's no point in that. So we're always looking to bring new people onto the show that can help you all with this quest to find more profitability and to grow your business in a smart and wise way. And today I'm going to chat with Katie. I'm so excited. She is an e-commerce specialist guru, you know, all the things. Um, So she helps businesses build a solid e-commerce platform, systems, processes, all of the things so that you can take those pretty things that you have and actually get them out into the world in a good way. So Katie, welcome. Well, thank you, Sierra. It's so fun to be here and to talk shop with you. Um, I know we have both have a love for product-based business owners. You're helping them with their money. I'm helping them sell more and, you know, not just e-commerce, but also the wholesale market. So I just, I love this synergy here and I can't wait to chat with you. So thank you for inviting me on. Yeah, it's so good. So we need to know your story. How did you get into this? Tell us your story. Oh gosh. Um, let me dip way, way back here. Um, no, 2008, I started, I was working in the corporate world and I started my own stationary business. It was intended as a side hustle, a creative outlet. I was in a very intense corporate job. I, at that time I worked in the legal industry, running business development and marketing teams. Oh, that's heavy. Yeah. I mean, I, I still talk and joke about how the fact that like the red light on my Blackberry would just cause me immense stress seeing that, you know, Blackberry, who uses those anymore? Right. But my, my point is just like the notifications just like sent my heart racing. And so it, w- it was an intense job and I needed more creativity and an outlet. I was also getting married at the time. So this is a common story in the stationary world of people doing their own wedding invitations or creating, you know, pieces of their wedding. Um, and I did that and I created note cards for my bridesmaids and, uh, they loved it. And I was in that season of life where a lot of people were getting married and everyone asked me to then do stationary sets for their friends and their wedding invitations. So I started doing it, but I quickly realized that if I was going to do this, 
I wanted to do it for real and I wanted to make it a legit business. I also, after like doing my homework, researching everything, I realized that if I was going to do this, I wanted to focus on wholesale because that was where volume and, you know, from a business standpoint, I felt that that was where this could be the most advantageous rather than a one-off client. I could work with these stores and, and larger volume. So I jumped into things pretty broad pretty quickly and pretty blindly. I yeah. exhibited at my first wholesale show within six months of opening my business. Um, I was selling to stores all over the place pretty quickly. I, again, I had this day job. I also had two babies at the time. Don't we so, all do this to ourselves? I know. I us. know. It's insane. Yeah. Let's add one so, more thing. A puppy. I know. No. <laughs> Actually at that point, I only had one baby. I didn't have the second one yet, but I'll, I'll get to that in a minute. I, but yeah, we, we pile it on. So I had this business. I was working on the fringe hours of the night. I was me- connecting and meeting all these people back in the day on Twitter because Instagram wasn't even a thing back then making myself sound so old here, but, um, you know, and I realized very quickly that my colleagues in the industry were very incredible, talented artists. They like their work still to this day puts me in awe, but what they struggled with was the finances, the business plan, the, you know, selling and marketing and, you know, all the other aspects that go into building this business, which I'm sure your audience can totally relate to. And so I said, hold up, let's get everybody together here. And let's share what we know. Let's share what we're working through. Let's share the solutions we've identified. Let's share the problems we've had and like the things that we've tried that have not worked too. And so in 2011, I started what is now Proof to Product. um, And it started with four teleconference calls. And I gathered people from all over our stationary industry because that's where my roots were at the time. And I said, let's talk this out. Let's, I got a buyer on the call. I got a sales rep on the call. I had other manufacturers come join and share their expertise. And um, and I remember turning to a friend of mine and saying, like, this is such a needed thing for our community because we will grow stronger. We will go fra- grow faster. We will make more money. Collectively, the industry will get this revitalization. And she looked at me and she said, Katie, you have a corporate job that is very intense and has you traveling. You have at that point now, I had two babies under two years old. Oh you have goodness. a you have a side business where it's blooming and growing year over year. And now you want to start a second business? And I was like, I know it seems insane, but I know this is needed. I need it. I know my colleagues and friends need yeah. it. And so I, she said, all right, if you're in, I'm in. And she's been one of my longtime speakers. But my point is just like, there's sometimes we got to take that leap of faith. Like looking from the outside in, I'm sure it looked like the craziest decision I've ever made. I don't have the capacity for this. I don't have the time, the energy, you know, something else is going to have to give if I move forward with this. But now here we are. And, you know, since 2011, we've helped thousands of brands get their products on the shelves of stores. We have a podcast is ranked in the top 1%. We have impacted so many people's lives and their businesses in such incredible ways. And that is why I do this. That is why we continue to evolve and bring out new, you know, bring new content and new opportunities. So that's a little bit of my backstory there. I got into a little bit of um, oh, that's so the weeds, but it's, 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 I love what I do and I feel grateful every day to be able to work with the people I work with. Yeah. And you can just hear that in your voice. You're so excited as you're talking about your clients, you guys can't, well, some of you might see if you watch this on YouTube, but um, you know, her face just like lit up because you do love your people and you Mm -hmm. want them to succeed. So let's talk about wholesale. 
What do you see as the number one reason that people are not successful when they have this idea? Because I have a lot of clients that start in retail yep, and then they make a t-shirt or they make jewelry for their store or something like that. And then they decide they're going to wholesale and they're two different business models. You might yep. be selling the same thing, but retail and wholesale is a completely different business model. So when you see people not succeed when they try to go to wholesale, what, why, like, what are the reasons? Yeah. So, um, we teach a four part framework for selling wholesale. And if I can run you through it, I can explain yeah, where the missteps are. Yeah. So the first step is always focusing on the product, focusing on, is it priced right? Do we have the right profit margins? Can we produce this product in high volumes to sustain the orders that are going to come in? Do we have inventory on hand? Um, do we, uh, is everything meeting industry standards? If, you know, for certain products, there are very formal industry standards that you want to yeah. fall within. And there's reasons for that. It's cost effective and fits on the shelf nicely, whatever might be. So we talk through those industry standards. Um, but ultimately, if we don't have a large enough product line that is priced right and is a strong collection overall, the rest of it doesn't matter. The sales, the marketing, all of that doesn't matter. We need to focus on our product first and get that really solid. And so one area I see people making missteps is that all of those things are not quite done right. Their pricing isn't right. Their margins they didn't look at. They haven't looked at other ways to source their product perhaps. And so they say, okay, I can do this myself at home, or I can create this one. And this is the price that I will um, pay to produce that one item. Let me scale this up now. And, and it's not that simple. I think they overlook yeah. the complexity of that. And that's no shade on anyone because most people do this. They, they, they don't know how to work with the numbers and that's just because they don't have experience with it. So we get that product yeah. sorted, right? We get it priced, right? We make sure there's enough there and um, that it's a strong collection to sell. And then we move into our sales tools. And I want to reiterate what you said. Selling direct-to-consumer retail is a completely different business model than selling wholesale. When you are selling to a, a retail customer, you are selling things one-on-one. You are... Um, you're that customer is purchasing based on emotions, based on yes. a need, a solution that they need in their life. They're buying because they're thinking of a friend that might enjoy your product that you're selling or because they want to feel good. Like your products are evoking different. There's different reasons that a retail customer is purchasing your product. On the wholesale side, you're selling business to business. And so those customers are thinking about things like profit margins, their shelf space, how they're going to merchandise your products with other products that they have coming in. Their mindset is it's it's more logistical. It's still a little sure. emotional because they do want to support smaller businesses most of the time. But you can see right away that the retail customer is much more emotional or like problem solving, pro, you know, decision making with their purchase. Whereas a wholesale customer, they're thinking at it from a business decision. Yeah. Um, and so I bring that up just to say what we prepare in our businesses to sell wholesale must reflect that. You need a catalog. You need wholesale terms and conditions. You need to have all of these pieces in place that make it easy for these stores to place an order from you. And a mistake I see in the sales world is that they think, um, you know, hey, if I get on this third party platform like Fair or Tundra or Abound and Again, no shade to those platforms, but if I get on that platform, I am done. I am made. I have, yes. I'm, I have, I've done Money it. is going to come in. Right. Yeah. If I build it, they will come. And yeah. in reality, 
that's just a tool to help you facilitate the sale. It's not the end of the process. Oh, that's so good. A tool to help facilitate the sale. Yes. It's not going to just suddenly draw hordes and hordes of people that all want what you have. No. And even if you are on Etsy or one of the, uh, or fair and you put in keywords and you, you know, make your descriptions really wonderful, you need to do that work so that you can be found more easily. But again, those platforms are not doing the marketing and attraction for you. They are there to serve as a place for your customers to check out easily and for you to manage that ordering process. So you still need to attract the people. Mm-hmm. So we move from product to sales and we get all those pieces together. And I think one of the things that's really important to think about here too, when I talk about a catalog, a lot of people think of a lookbook, something that shows their pretty products, but really a catalog needs to be a sales tool. It needs to include your pricing, your turnaround times, all those terms and conditions that I started to mention earlier. Because that catalog is going to do the job of selling when you're not there in person. And so mm-hmm. we don't want it to just be pretty. We know it's going to be pretty. We want it to do the job of selling your products. And so I think that's a misstep that a lot of people make too. So. Yeah. The next piece is we move into marketing and that's where we're doing outreach to our um, wholesale customers. And again, we already talked about how it's a different customer than the retail side of things, but the outreach process is also very different than the retail market. There's a lot of cold pitching. There's a lot of, um, you know, connecting in real life with people through trade shows. There's using sales teams to sell your products. That's very different than the retail side of things where we might post on social or, you know, we can still use those tactics. Social media and email marketing are still very important for wholesale side of things too. But um, I I think remembering who our audience is and tailoring that communication to that customer is super important. And I think that's a misstep too. We don't think about what does this end customer need to yeah, know to make, to, a make decision. It, to make a decision. Yeah, yeah. Right. so good. That's such a good framework. So um, one thing that I wanted to bring up maybe kind of a a little bit of a bunny trail, but I want your feedback on this. So I see a lot of people in the smaller boutique space, if they design a t-shirt, I'm just going to say t-shirt. Yeah. They go to wholesale, they get completely overwhelmed with the customer demands because then they have all these small boutiques who want to buy two or one, or I only want a small and extra large. And we feel like we need the sale. So we do all the things. And then I work with so many retailers that are so burnt out and overwhelmed by no boundaries. Can yes. you speak to that a little bit? Oh, I've gosh. never talked to someone who I think you're going to get it. Oh, I 100% get this. I get this from, I get this from the shop owner's side. I get this from the manufacturer's side. So I want to talk about it first from the manufacturer's side, if that's okay. Um, this is where our wholesale terms and conditions are critical. The terms and conditions you set for wholesale are the boundaries. They're the guardrails for how people can do business with you. So in your terms and conditions, you're going to set what we call MOQ. That's minimum order quantity. And for something like a t-shirt, your MOQ is probably going to be three or four shirts in each size. So you, Sierra, as the buyer would have to come to me and buy my shirts, but you would have to decide which sizes you want. And you would have to buy a minimum of three or four in each of those sizes. So it might be the same design, but you're buying three in a small, three in a large, three, you know, whatever it might be. And those MOQs, I always encourage people, well, let's go back. The terms and conditions, I always encourage people to be firmer in writing 
okay. and flexible in practice. Oh my goodness. Can you say that again? I always Sounds encourage, good. I encourage people in their wholesale terms and conditions to be firm in writing and flexible in practice. And the reason for this is we want to set those guardrails. We want to tell people how they can purchase from us and what kind of minimum requirements they need to meet. But at the same time, we may have a shop that we've been working with a long time and they just need a couple of shirts to fill in what they already have. So we can be flexible on a case-by-case basis. But really the terms and conditions are important because they set those boundaries that you were talking about earlier. Okay. Okay. So what for- if I really, really need $50 though? And I just feel like the, all, no one's going to buy from me if I make them do this or that. Oh just, we, we get so fearful. I think we do. And you and I do too. Like as coaches, oh, yeah. consultants, right. We're always like, oh, but we, you know, but what have you found in working with so many wholesalers that are willing to say like, this is the standard that's going to work to build profitability into my business. Yeah. And I'm just not gonna, I just can't work with everyone. So I think first off, we need to remind ourselves that our products are not going to be for everyone. And that's a hard pill to swallow because to your point, we want to bend over backwards and make everyone happy. Most people in our positions of selling products or coaching even, we're people pleasers. We want to support others. We want to make things happen. But one of the things, and I see this a lot where it's like somebody might have a art print that's in green and a buyer asked for it to be in blue or yeah. you know somebody has a candle and you know the the buyer wants a different packaging around it you know and i understand that manufacturers will want to say yes to those types of things they want the cash flow they want the relationship they want to make people happy and and say yes but in doing that you are having then to disrupt your entire process for how you sell, fulfill, distribute your products. You're having, it's taking you out of your flow for how you do things. And you should have systems and processes in place, right? But if somebody comes to us and asks for something totally different than what the norm is, we have to stop what we're doing. It interrupts our day. And we have to then decide to say yes or no. The other thing I will tell you too is like, I know what you you mean about the, but I need the $50 or like, I I just want to say yes. When we say yes to something that's not truly in alignment, we have to say no to something else. And if you're spending all your time fulfilling this, you know, the small order that's not really worth your time, or if you're customizing a product for somebody because as a special order and you're not making enough money, you're losing money on the other side because you're not using that time to market yourself, sell your products or do whatever it is that you're doing. So I know we all want to say yes, but really I encourage my clients to take a step back and think, is this beneficial to me? Is this beneficial to the business? And will doing this, you know, take me away from something else that would be more beneficial? Yeah, so good. So boundaries on the manufacturing side and then boundaries for like the wholesaler or the Yeah, so for the shops, I think um, it's hard because I, I think from my experience and correct me if you have a different experience, my experience is the shop owners tend to be burnt out by their retail customers. Yes. So it just trickles down. Yes. It's like a trickle down. So it's not so much that they're, you know, burnt out by the wholesale manufacturers that they're working with. It's that they're burnt out by their customers who are very similarly asking for custom things. Can you open, you know, stay open for me? Can Can you you return this after 30 months? Can you? Yes, Yes. All of it. 
And I think we want to be accommodating, but we also need to have boundaries. So, you know, that's where communicating clearly, uh, having signage about your hours or, you know, just even saying to somebody, I'm sorry, we're not able to stay open an extra 30 minutes, but if you'd like, I'll be here tomorrow from here to here, you know, just kind of reiterating sometimes people ask for special things, not realizing too, that it's outside of the scope of what's normal. Yeah. You know? And so I think it's totally fine to remind them of our hours are nine to five or whatever it might be, you know? Um, and so I, but I do think the other thing is all of us manufacturer, shop owner, um, if something isn't sitting right with us, that's usually a sign to look at that process, that system, how we're responding to things. I also encourage people to kind of get a couple of key phrases together. Like I would love to do that, but unfortunately we can't, or we can, or we, you know, we can offer this alternative to you that kind of helped to re-steer the boundaries a little bit. Um, It's not easy. It's not easy at all. So I empathize with everyone that's listening, that's struggling with this, but I do think redirecting, resetting the boundaries um, and and holding the boundary. That's the hardest part I think is holding the boundary. But when we do, I do think it gets easier as we practice doing that. It gets easier. Yeah. And I think one thing you said is just good for everybody to listen to. And I mean, I don't, I can't speak for you, but you know, I've struggled with all these things too, right? Like we want the sale. We want to be good people. We want to help our customers. Um, And so a lot of times we make decisions from people pleasing. Sometimes we make it because we just feel like it's the right thing. Um, So there's no fault here, but we always need to be looking at how we can be better leaders of our business. And sometimes that is boundary setting. So let's talk, let's flip the script. What should retailers talk to their wholesaler manufacturers about? Because I speak to my retailers a lot and say, you need to have a clear communication line. Um, If someone says they're going to ship on time, they need to ship to you. They can't ship six months late and then expect payment. So how um, how can a retailer clearly communicate or have a good relationship, communication relationship with a manufacturer? What could retailers do better? Well, I think it's just clearly articulating their needs in when they place the order. So one of the things I talk to you about with my manufacturers is I say to them, when you take the order, you need to get all the critical information up front. When do they want this shipped? What a payment method, like all of those logistical details. It sounds pretty obvious that we want to get that at the time of order, but that will help their systems and processes in them fulfilling the order. And if they can fulfill the order easily, and if they can get payment on time, then the order will ship out and everyone will be happy. I think where we run into issues is when communication breaks down from either side of it, where a store may need a different ship date, or they may want to push back a ship date, or a you know, a manufacturer gets delayed with whatever their product production is, you know, and there's not that communication. I think, yeah, I think both sides need to be better about communicating any delays or changes. The other thing is too, um, you know, the shop owners I worked with for a long time, they were excellent. If somebody needed something rushed and they asked for it, we would do our best to accommodate that and make that happen. I will say one from the manufacturer side, one of the biggest challenges is sometimes getting payment Um, and, you know, they're not going to ship the product until they've received the payment. And so when they have to call or email or send invoices that kind of go ignored, that creates a a pain point for everyone too, because then the order just kind of on hold. And I know the store wants it. So I would say if, if the shop owner's 
one, communicate clearly and whatever your needs are, whether that's shipping something early or delaying a shipment or rearranging the order, even just communicate clearly what your needs are. And then two, if you can work in tandem with the manufacturers to really pay on time, I think that will ensure a, a more streamlined process. Now, if the manufacturer is not delivering on their promises, they're not sending things on time, then that would warrant either a longer conversation or perhaps you're going to go look for another manufacturer that does similar types of products. And that's yeah. an unfortunate situation when that happens. Um, we want to build relationships from both sides that are mutually beneficial. Um, and it is hard to, I will say too, um, a lot of the buyers I've worked with, they're so busy. The store owners yeah. are so busy and they don't have the time to check in on all these orders. They assume that when they're placing the order, that it's going to come when it's promised to come. And so it is disappointing when things don't arrive on time or if there is a hiccup. Um, the other thing is too, if things don't arrive safely or they arrive damaged, like I, I think manufacturers could and should do a better job of making some like communication from both sides needs yeah. to be strong um, to build that relationship because when that relationship is strong, it benefits both companies, you know? For sure. Yeah. So. And I think it's just communication. You know, mm -hmm. if you manufacture, if you're going to be late, just tell people. Yes. Shop owner, if you can't pay this week, you need another week, just tell someone. Just talk. You just know, talk. Don't, don't avoid and stop answering emails and stop it. Just, just chat. Um, I always say that with my coaching clients too. If you need something, just tell me, I will work with you. Like I'll, I'll yes. be flexible within reason, but you can't, you can't just disappear. You got to talk no. to me, you know, well, and, and that's what manufacturers want. And retailers mm -hmm. want. They, Both parties know, want it. Yeah. Yeah. And it's such a better process and a stronger relationship when you do. Everyone's needs are more readily met in that situation. Yes. Yeah. Um, so good. Okay. So bad. let's say I am a retailer. Yeah. Or let's say, let's say I'm a, I'm a maker. So I've been designing these beautiful prints for friends and family, kind of like what you did. And I'm starting to get more demand and I'm thinking of branching out. What would be my first step to take my product to the wholesale market. Yeah. Well, first you should come to paper camp, which is our program. I am going to plug that because it yes, is and I know it's probably going to be closed by the time this airs, but do you have a wait list? We do. We have a wait okay. list. People can go sign up. It's okay, at paperproduct.com slash paper camp. And I, I don't mean to be a shameless plug, but really, truly it is the most comprehensive program out there to get you ready to wholesale or to scale wholesale, if that's what you're already okay. doing. So, okay. And also we have a ton of free resources on our website and things. So if people um, want to get started there, they absolutely can. But And it's um, a cute name, Paper Camp. I oh. love it. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for saying that. Uh, little side note here. I have been toying with the idea of needing to change it because we work with more than paper yeah. companies. But we started this in 2011 and um, we have so many alumni and people that refer to it as Paper Camp. I'm like, I don't know. Rebranding, it feels scary. So. I know. This is the behind the scenes, you guys. You yeah. get to hear what we all struggle <laughs> with with our courses and programs. We're like, I, oh, I don't know. But no, I know it cute. needs a new name, but I just don't, I'm not ready for that. So anyhow, um, but what they really need to focus on is kind of the sequential order we talked about earlier, just making sure like double checking their product is ready for wholesale pricing margins, all that jazz. And then they want to work on their sales tools like we talked about. And then that's when they do the marketing and outreach. But also the fourth piece, which I think I forgot to tell you was the operations. It's the systems for, do I have the fulfillment systems, the order, um, do I have some of the technology and people processes and all of that stuff in place to be able to field these higher level orders and yeah. higher quantity orders, more consistent orders? It, they don't come at first. Like, I mean, it, it can be like a slow start, but once you get things rolling, 
you, you will be ready. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you want to yeah. be ready. And I think one thing that you mentioned, um, kind of backing up before we end our show, the communication, we were talking about communication between retailers and wholesalers, yeah. um, you know, with delayed shipping or something comes damaged, the more systems you can have in place, the less communication falters, right? So if you yes. have a system for every time my product comes in, I unbox it, I pull it out, I count it, I enter it right away. It's done within 24 hours. That's a system. The more quickly you're going to be able to communicate and say, Hey, some of the candles came broken, right? You know, so that they can fix it instead of this is 60 days later and I'm finally unboxing this, right? And on the wholesale side, too, manufacturers having so when their supplies come in to make like having those systems that's so important, which you work through in your framework on the operations side. We do, we do. Yeah. Yeah. We do a lot of that in our labs program, which is our membership community um, for general business operations. Um, The wholesale stuff we talk about in paper camp though, and the systems and automations that you need to have specifically for wholesale. But yeah, it's so important because to your point, um, especially a lot of the clients I work with, they're small shops, meaning they're one or two people. Sometimes they've got teams up to 10 or so, but like, we're not talking large corporations here. We're talking about hands-on team members. And if we can make things more streamlined and easier and reduce some of the human like thinking that has to happen in there, we're going to reduce errors that just naturally come up. Yeah. So good. Okay. What do you want to leave with our listeners today? What's a word of wisdom that you can Mm -hmm. give to them? Um, I guess I just want everyone to know that progress is progress. Even if it feels super small, every step that you're taking day in and day out will lead to greater things. And um, I don't think we stop enough to reflect on where we have gotten ourselves to in our business journey. I think we're, most of us are so heads down looking, you know, focused on the day-to-day work. We need to pick our heads up. We need to celebrate the successes we've had and recognize how far we've come. And I also, in doing that too, we as the business owner also have to have that visionary piece of where do we want to go and how do we want to make an impact with this business that we're creating? So celebrate your successes. Think about the big picture impact that you're making and, um, you know, just, celebrate how far you've come. It's yeah, important that's so to do good that. To remember that progress, every step forward is a step forward. Yes. Even though it might feel slow before, you know, it, you look back and you're like, Whoa, geez, 2020 is like three years away already. You know, yes, I yes. mean, that's what happens. So we just keep moving forward, learning the right things, connecting with the right people. Yes. So speaking of connecting, how can people connect with you? Yeah. So I'm at proof2product.com and then everywhere on social media, I'm proof2product. That's T-O in the middle there. And um, we've got our podcast that comes out every Tuesday. So if you're a product-based business owner, definitely check that out. Um, And then we've got our different programs on our website, but I would recommend starting with the podcast. Yeah. So always good. And my listeners are listeners and readers. So Last question. I'm going to throw it on you. I didn't tell you ahead of time. What's a book that you've recently read that you'd love to recommend? Oh goodness. Okay. So, um, I love essentialism, but also there's a book by Paul Jarvis. Oh my gosh. The name is escaping me right now. Company of one company of one by Paul Jarvis. It is an excellent, very quick read, uh, for business owners. I highly encourage you to read it. It talks about how we don't necessarily have to build an empire to do good work and to make an impact. And, um, it's just a really incredible read. So I, that sounds like it'd be a perfect fit for this audience too. Cause a lot of us are working solo or with one or two part-time people. So company of one, company of one. Awesome. Thanks for joining me today. I really appreciated it. It's my pleasure. Thank you so much for having me, Sierra. 
All right, everyone. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Inventory Genius Podcast. If you need any help turning your inventory into more profit and more cash, please head over to sierrastockland.com where you find lots of good options to connect with me. And I look forward to seeing you all again next Tuesday. All right. Bye for now. Hey friend, thank you so much for tuning in today to the Inventory Genius Podcast. If there's something that you heard today on the podcast episode and you want to dig deeper into becoming an inventory genius yourself, I want to invite you to head on over to my website, sierrastockland.com, where I have multiple ways that you and I can work together on your inventory. I want to help you with your profit, your cash flow, and your paycheck because at the end of the day, it's all related to your inventory. So head on over to the website, connect with me. I'll work with you soon. See you then. Hey, boutique owner, are you ready to go from drowning in busy work to dreaming about the future? Simple Strategies Group creates automated marketing systems that work 24-7 so you do not have to. And you know how important I tell you it is to have automated, simplified systems. And that's why you need to get a hold of Liz. Liz Whitehead is a certified Clavio Master Silver Partner as well as a certified Postscript Partner. She knows her stuff. She works with e-commerce product-based businesses to implement email and text marketing strategies that build trust and nurture your customer relationships. She wants to do this for you so that you can start to focus on the front lines of your boutique business. So visit simplestrategiesgroup.com for more info. That's simplestrategiesgroup.com.